country was lonely just then. It was summer. The wheat was golden and the oaks still green. The hay was stacked in the rich, low-lying meadows. Where the stalk was marching round its, with its long red legs, chatting the Egyptian, a language of its mother. His mother had taught him. Round about the field in the meadow, eight great woods in the midst of which were deep lakes. Yes, the country certainly was delicious. In a sunny spot stood an old mansion, surrounded by a deep moat and great dark leaves grew by the walls of the house right down to the water's edge. Some of them were so tall that a small child could st- stand upright under them. In the months of leaves, it was secluded as in the depths of a forest. There was a duck who was sitting on the rest. Her ducklings were just about to be hatched when she was nearly, but she was nearly tired of sitting, for it had been lasted such a long time. Moreover, she had a few visitors, as other ducks liked swimming about in the moat better than waddling up to sit under the dock leaves and gossip with her. At last, one egg after the other began to crack. Cheep, cheep, they said. All the chicks had gone, come to life. Were poking their heads out. Whack, whack, said the duck, when they all quacked their hardest. They looked about them, on them, all their sides, among the green leaves. It never allowed them to look at as much as they liked, for green is good for the eyes. How big is the world, to be sure, said all the young ones, for they certainly had never so much more room to move about when they were inside the eggshell. Do you imagine that this is the whole world, said the mother? It stretches a long way on the other side of the garden, right in the pastor's field. But I have never seen it as far as that. I suppose they are all there. All here now, she got up. Now we declare, I have not got you all yet. The biggest is still there. How long is it going to last? Then she settled herself on the nest again. Well, you, how are you getting on, said the old duck. Who was going come to visit, pay a visit. This one egg is taking such a long time, answered the second duck. The shell will not crack. But now, you must look at the others. They're all the finest ducklings I've ever seen. They're all exactly like their father. A rascal, he never comes to see me. Let me look at the egg that won't crack, said the old duck. You may be sure that it is a turkey's egg. I have cheated like that once. I have no end of trouble worrying with the creatures. But I may tell you, they were afraid of water. I could not get them into it. I cracked and snapped it out to them. But it was no good. Let me see the egg. Yes, it's a turkey's egg. You have just leave it alone. I teach the other children to swim. I will sit it on a bit longer. I have sat so long already. I may go as well to till the midsummer fair goes around. Please yourself, said the old duck. And she went away. And the last big egg cracked. Keep, keep, said the uh, young one. And tumbled out how big and ugly he was. The duck looked at him. This is a monstrous big duckling, she said. None of the others look like that. Can be? Can he be a turkey chick? Well, he, well we shall see soon. Find out that. Into the water we shall go, if I hadn't to kick him in myself. Next day was a glorious fine and sun shone on the green dock leaves. Another duck before the whole family went down to the moat. Splash in the water, she sprang. Quack, 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 she said. Then one duckling plumped 
in after the other. The water dashed over their heads, and they came up again. They floated beautifully. Their legs went off to the other themselves, and there they all were. There they were there. Even the big, ugly, grey one swam about with them. No, that is not a tur- no turkey, he said. See how beautiful he uses his legs. How erect he holds himself. He's one. He's my own chick, after all. He's not so bad, when you come to look at him properly. Quack, quack. Help. Now come to me, I'll take you into the world, introduce you to the dark yard. I keep close to me all the time, so that no one may treat you, tread upon you. I'll beware of the cat. They went to the dark yard, into the dark yard. There was a fearful roar going on, for two broods were fighting for the head of the hill. In the end, the cat captured it. That's how things are don't go in this world, said the mother duck, and she licked her bill as she wanted. The ex-hill-head herself. Use your legs, she said. Mind your quack properly. I bet you're next to the old duck after there, over there. She's the grandest of all. She has the Spanish blood in her veins. It counts for her size, and do you see? Here's a red leg, red and leg. It's a wonderful fine thing. But strongly about a good distinction any duck can have. It shows clearly she's not to be parted with. And then she's worthy of recognition, both to my breast. But rest the man, quack now. Don't turn your toes in. Well, a well-brought up dumping keeps his legs well apart, just like father and mother. That's it, now bend your back legs. I say quack. He did as they were to bid. But the other ducks round and looked at them and said quite loud, Just look there. Now, we all have to, we have a tribe. Just as if they were not enough of us already. Oh dear, how ugly that duckling. He won't stand up. And a duck flew at him at once, a bit him on the neck. Let me, let it be, said the mother. He's doing no harm. Very likely not, but he's so ungainly and queer, said the biter. He must be whacked. You're a handsome children, mother. Has, said old duckling. But, duck, but a rag around her neck, a rag around her leg. Oh, good looking, except this one. He's not a good specimen. He's a pity you can't make him over again. This can't be done, Your Grace, said the mother duck. He's not handsome, but he's thoroughly, thoroughly good creature. He's been so beautiful, and any of others. Nay, I think I must venture not even to add. I think he'll prove as he goes on. Perhaps in time he will grow smaller. He will too long, he's too long in the egg. And so not come out with a good figure. He patted his neck and stroked him down. Besides, he's a drake, he said. If it does not matter so much, I believe he was strong. I no doubt he will make his way in his world. Yeah, that exactly is a very pretty, said the old duck. Now, makes yourself at home, quite at home. If you make, find a hill, you bring it to me. After that, they felt quite at home. The poor duckling, which had been at last to come out of the shell, who was ugly, was bitten, pushed about, and made fun of both with ducks and hens. He's too big, they all said, but then the cocky, turkey cock, who was born with his spurs on, therefore pulled himself quite, uh, thought himself quite emperor, puffed himself like a vessel in a veil cell, made of him and gobbled and gobbled, till he quite became full, quite red in the face. The poor duckling was at his wit's end. He didn't know what way to turn. He was in despair because he was ugly and the butt of the whole duck yard. So the first day passed and afterwards matters grew worse and worse. The poor duckling was chased and hustled by all of them. Even his brothers and sisters ill used him 
They were always saying, If only the cat would get hold of you, you hideous object. Eunice's mother said, I wish to goodness you were miles away. The ducks bit at him, the hen packed him, and the girl who fed them kicked him aside. When he ran off and flew right over the edge. When the little birds flew into the air, in the air, in the fright. Yeah, because he's so ugly, thought the poor duckling. Yeah, because I'm so ugly, thought the duckling. Poor duckling, shutting his eyes. He ran out on all the same. When he came to the great marsh where the wild ducks lived, he was so tired and miserable, he stayed there the whole night. In the morning, the wild ducks flew to inspect their comrade. What sort of creature are you? they inquired. The duckling turned from side to side and greeted them as well as he could. You're awfully f- ugly, said the wild ducks. But what does that not matter to us, so long as you do not marry into our family? Poor fellow, he had no thought of marriage. All he wanted was permission to lie among rushes and to drink a little Lamarth water. He stayed there two whole days, while then two wild geese came, or rather two wild ganders. They were not long out of the shell, and therefore rather put. I say, comrade, said they said, you are so ugly, you will have to take quite a fancy to you. you will you join us, a bit of bird package? There is almost, there's another mouse club by, and there are some charming wild geese. They are all sweet young ladies who can quack, say quack. Oh, and you're ugly enough to make your fortune among them. Just at that moment, bang, bang, I was heard above, up above, and both the wild geese fell dead among the bees, and the water turned red, red. Bang, bang, I went, well, I, I went the guns. The whole flocks of buggies flew from the rushes and the shot peppered among them again. There was a grand shooting party, and the sportsmen lay hidden around the marshes. Some even sat on the branches, where the trees were overhung with water. The blue smoke rose like clouds among the dark trees and swept over the pole. The water dogs wandered about in the swamp, splash, splash. Rushes and reeds bent beneath their tread all bird's eyes. It was terribly alarming to the poor duckling. He twisted his head around to get it under his wing, and just at that moment a frightful big dog appeared close behind him. His tongue hung right out of his mouth. His eyes glared wickedly. He opened his great chasm of a mouth close to the duckling, showed his sharp teeth, and splash went on with touching him. Oh, thank heaven, sighed the duckling. I am so ugly, even a duck, dog won't bite me. Then he lays quite still, till when the wild shot whistled above the branches, bushes, and bang after bang went the air. It was only quite late, oh, only became quite late in the day, but even then the poor duckling did not dare to get up. He waited several hours before, more before he looked about that he could hurry away for the marsh as fast as he could. He ran towards the fields and meadows, and there was such a wind he had hard work to make his way. Towards the night he reached a poor little cottage. It was such a miserable hole that he could not make up his mind which way to fall even. If so, it remained standing. The wind whistled so fiercely round the duckling. He had to sit on his tail to resist it. It was blew harder and harder when he saw a door had fallen off one hinge and hung so quickly he would creep into the house through the crack, and by his means he'd make his way to the room. Or an old woman lived there with a cat and a hen. The cat she called Sony would could arch his back purr and give it off electrical barks. 
That is to say, if you stroked his fur the wrong way, a hen, quite tiny short legs, and so called chucky low legs. She laid good eggs, and the old woman was so fond of her, as if she was her own child. In the morning, the strange outlet was discovered immediately. The cat began to purr, and a hen to cluck. What on earth is this? said the old woman, looking round. But her sight was not so good. She thought the duckling was a fat duck. Escape. This is capital fine, said she. Now I shall have a duck's egg, if only if you're not a drake. You must find out about about that. that. As she took the duckling on trial for three weeks, but no eggs made their appearance, a cat was the master of the house, the hen, the mistress. He always spoke of we and the world, for they thought they were spent the half of the world, and quite the better half. A duckling thought they might have been to Bimbindians, on the subject, but a cat could, would not hear of it. Can you lay eggs? Yes, yes. No. Well, you have. Well, you have the goodness to hold your tongue in. Cat said. Can you arch your back, purr, or give us barks? No. Then you'd better keep your opinion to yourself when people are of sense of speaking. Duckling sat in the corner, nursing his ill humour, when he began to think of the fresh air and sunshine. Controlled longing seized him, a flood of water. At last he could not help telling Hen about it. What other birth possesses you? she asked. You have nothing to do. What is why you get these freaks in your head? Lay some eggs or some take on to burrowing, and you'll get over it. But it's so delicious to float the water, said the duckling. So delicious to feel it rushing over my mind. Head and dive into the bottom. That'll be a fine amusement, said Hen. I think you've gone quite mad. Ask Cat about He's the widest creature I know. Ask him if he's fond of floating in the water or diving under it. I see nothing about it myself. Ask your mis- mistress yourself. Young woman, there is no one in the world cleverer than she is. Do you suppose that she would have a desire to float water? Or the duck underneath it. I don't understand me, said the duckling. Well, I, if we don't understand you, why should, who should? I suppose you don't consider yourself clever, whether you're a cat or a woman or a woman. Or not to mention me, don't make a fool of yourself, child, and thank your stars for all the good we have done for you. Have you not lived in this warm room, in such society? You might have learnt your something, but you are needed. There's no pleasure in associating with you. You may believe me, I mean you well. I tell you, Andrews, there is no sure way than that of knowing who one's friends. You might see about laying some eggs, or to learn to burr, or to emit sparks. Oh, I think I'll go out into the wide world, said the duckling. Oh, by all means, said Anne. So away he went to the duckling. He floated on water and ducked underneath it. He looked and escooned at every living creature for his ugliness. The autumn came on the leaves. The woods turned yellow and brown. The wind took hold of them, and they danced about. The sky looked high, cold. The clouds hung heavy with snow and hail. A raven stood on the fence and croaked, Craw, craw, and shared cold. It made me one shiver only to think of it. A poor duckling certainly was in a bad case. One evening the sun was just setting in a wintry splendour, when a flock of beautiful large birds appeared out of the bushes. Duckling never seen so be- anything so beautiful. Their dazzling white, long, wavy necks, near swans, making a particular cry, they spread out their magnificent broad wings and flew away 
from the cold regions of warmer lands and open seas, and mountains so high, so very high. The ugly, only du- little duckling, became strangely uneasy. He circled round and round in the water, like a wheel, craning his neck up into the air again after them. Then he uttered a shriek, so piercing, so strange, you know, that he was quite frightened by himself. himself. Oh, couldn't, he could not forget those beautiful birds, those happy birds. And soon they were out of sight. He ducked right down to the bottom. And when he came up again, he was quite beside himself. He didn't know what birds were, or whether they flew. All the same, he was more drawn towards them than he had ever been by any creatures before. He did not envy them, at least. How could it occur to him even to wish to be such a marvel of beauty? He would have been thankful if only ducks would have tolerated him. Among them, them the poor, ugly creature. The wind was biting cold, and the duckling was obliged to swim by the water to keep it from freezing. But every night the hole in which he swam got smaller and smaller. Then it froze so hard that the surface ice cracked. The duckling had no use. Had to use his legs all the time, so when the ice could not close in round him, at last he was so weary he could not move no more. He was frozen fast in the ice. Early in the morning a pheasant came along and saw him. He went out on the ice and hammered a hole in it, his heavy wooden shoe, and carried the duckling home to his wife. Early in the morning a peasant came along and saw him. He went out to the ice and hammered up a hole with his heavy wooden shoe and carried the duckling home to his wife. Then he soon revived. The children wanted to play with it, but the duckling thought they were going to ill-use him and brushed in his fright into the milk pan. The milk spurted out all over the room. The woman shrieked and threw up her hands, then flew in the, it into the bus, butter glass, and down into the metal milk tub. Now again, just imagine what it looked like by this time. The woman screamed and tried to hit it with tongs. The children tumbled over one another in trying to catch it. They all screamed with laughter. By good luck, the door stood open. The duckling flew out among the bushes. A new full of snow. It lay there, foully exhausted. But it would be too sad to mention all the perturbation and misery it had to go through during that hard winter. When the sun began to shine warmly again, the duckling was in the marsh, lying among the rushes. The larks were singing in the beautiful spring had come. Then all at once it raised its wings. It flapped with much greater strength than before. It bore him off vigorously. Before he knew he was, he found himself a large garden, where the apple trees were full of blossom. The air was scented with lilacs, and long branches of which overhung into shores of the lake. Oh, the spring freshness was so delicious. Just in front of him he saw three beautiful white swans, advancing towards him with a thicket. With rustling feathers, they swam lightly above the water. The duckling recognised the majestic birds. He was overcome by strange melancholy. I will fly to those royal birds, and they will hack me to pieces, because I am so ugly ventured to approach, ventured to approach him. But it won't matter. Better to be killed by them than be snapped by the ducks, pet by hens, or burned from a henwife. I suffer so much misery in this winter. In the winter, he flew into water and swam towards the stately swans. He saw him darted towards him and ruffled with ruffled feathers. Kill me, oh, kill me! Said the poor creature, bowing his head towards water. He waited for his death, but when he did, he, but but what he did, but what did he see? Reflected in transparent water, he saw below him his own image. He was no longer a clumsy grey bird, ugly and gaily. He was self a swan. It does not matter in the same least. Having been born in a duckyard, 
If only you came out in a swan's egg. He's quite glad all the misery and the tribulation he'd gone through. He was better able to appreciate his good fortune now. All the beauty which greeted him. The big swan swam around, around him and stroked him with their bills. Some little children came into the garden with a corn and cooked pieces of bread, which he threw into the water. The small birds cried out, There's a new one! The other children shouted with joy, Yes, he's new! One has come. They clapped their hands and danced about, running after their father and mother. They threw the water into bread in the water. And one and all said, The new one was the prettiest. He was so young and handsome. The old swans bent their heads and did homage before him. He felt quite shy, he's his head under his wing. He did not know what to think. He was so happy, very happy, and not at all proud. A good heart never becomes proud. He thought of how he'd been pursued and scorned, and how he heard them all say. He was the most beautiful of all beautiful birds. Lilacs bent their barrows right back down into the barrows right down into the water before him, and the white sun was warm and cheery. He rustled his feathers and raised his slender neck, aloft, saying with exhaustion, In his heart, I never dreamt so much thing, much happiness, when I was an ugly, the ugly duckling. <laughs>